Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. All right. Stand to your feet. Um, pray again. <laughs> that God will be glorified. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time um, to be with you, to press into you, to hear your word, to uh, get to know you in a better way uh, by hearing and partaking of your word, Lord Jesus. Uh, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for uh, new beginnings, a, a clean slate, uh, which you give us every day, Lord God, because your mercies are new every day, Lord. And so uh, this is a season where we may reflect on what happened last year, but looking forward to what will go on in the new year. Uh, and so we're just thankful for your grace and your mercy carrying us to this year. And we're just uh, prayerful that we will see great and marvelous things that you are going to do in this body, Cornerstone Community Church, but also in this city, in this nation, and in this world. Uh, we are not afraid of what we may see, but we are thankful for what we don't see, Lord Jesus, because you are working behind the scenes, Lord God. And even when we don't see it, we know you're there in the midst. And even in this season where we celebrate Emmanuel, God, with us, um, you remind us that you are with us in the fire, in the valley, on the mountaintop, wherever we are, you are God with us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your word. Thank you. You may take your seats. God is great and greatly to be praised. Um, we are yet in the Sermon on the Mount. And oftentimes when I'm preparing, I just wonder, how long was this sermon, Lord? You know, <laughs> I know how long it's taken me to get through it, but <laughs> uh, how long did he preach this? And obviously the people listen attentively uh, at the word. But we're going to be in chapter Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 and then uh, verses 16 through 18. Uh, the title is Secret Work, Open Reward. We're going to look at giving, praying, and fasting. And in preparation for this, because this is kind of, you know, this is in the series that I'm doing on the Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, the Lord just reminded me. Um, even last night, and was that, you know, this could be the work that we uh, commit ourselves to doing this year, since we were looking at a new year, that we're going to give, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. Amen. <laughs> we're looking like, I don't know, I don't know about some of this, uh, but we're going to give, pray, and fast. Is this me? Uh, am I doing something wrong? Uh, we're good? All right. All right. All right. So, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their, received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen, that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you what you need before you ask. So now we're going to jump down to verse 16. It says, when you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we see that he, uh, in these uh, three examples, giving, praying, and fasting, um, one, that he's going to reward you if you do these things in secret, right? He said this several times. What He sees what you've done in secret, and he will reward you. So one of the things I want to look at, uh, when we look at giving, we want to start there, is that he talks about, the hypocritical church, because Jesus calls out the church or the synagogue at that time, which in modern day he would be calling out the church as being hypocritical, saying that uh, they were acting as hypocrites. He said, don't act as these hypocrites, the Pharisees and the synagogues. Uh, and they define hypocrite as, uh, as a performer acting under a mask, uh, judging under. Uh, it also means to be two, a two-faced person. So they act one way, but they do certain things another way. Uh, and they don't practice what they preach. Uh, they say one thing, but they do another. He calls out the synagogues. This is what we consider the modern-day church as hypocrites. And so you can see this is Jesus' first sermon. He's already <laughs> not making friends because he's calling out <laughs> the church. And uh, which would be us. He would be calling us out. And I can see how uh, those Pharisees would not be happy about Jesus because he's like, hey, he's calling us hypocrites. What does he know? How is he going to come up all of a sudden and just start calling us out? Uh, but he's Jesus and he can do that. Uh, but his warning is not to be hypocritical, not to say certain things, but then act a different way. Uh, Matthew 23 goes into detail about this. Let's look at that because it goes, uh, the whole chapter is dedicated to uh, warning against hypocrisy. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but uh, if you get a chance to, it is very good. But we're going to do verses 1 through, I think, 11 or 12. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. <laughs> He's calling them out. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger or move themselves. Everything they do is to done before people. They want to be seen. They make 
their uh, paralyses, which was little boxes that they put scriptures in, and they make them really big. They said, make them wide, and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogues. They want to be sitting in the most important seat. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. Uh, they want to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on your earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor you are to be called instructors, for they have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then it goes on in uh, chapter 23 about uh, hypocrisy, and it names out several things that they were hypocritical about. I'm not, going to de- I'm not going to go into detail about that, but it is important that Jesus was making a correlation here. He was calling out the church, church people. And Jesus, who is <laughs> uh, the bridegroom, and he wants to perfect the church, but he was yet saying, hey, don't do what these people say. Uh, don't do as they do, uh, because they're not following the words that they say. And it's important. We can do that today. We can say, hey, look, uh, let's not be hypocritical. And sometimes we ourselves can be caught up in that and, you know, we may say one thing and do another. But we need to not be two-faced, but to be single-minded and focused on Jesus. The right way to give. So that was it. That was in um, praying. I mean, in giving. That was the right. So the right way to give is to not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Which means it's a proverbial, proverbial expression that signifies that you're going to do something privately or in secret. You're not going to be out with the trumpets showing that, hey, I'm giving to the poor. I'm giving to my this ministry here. I'm giving here. But you're going to do that in private because you want your Heavenly Father to reward you openly. Uh, praying in secret. The wrong way to pray is to be seen in front of others in the synagogues and on the street. Uh, they want to receive their reward. They want to be seen by everyone, and so they pray in front of everyone. They have no private prayers themselves. Um, and then an, another message we'll get into how to pray, but we're not going to do that now because it talks about uh, praying and what, how we should pray. But it talks about the repetition of babbling like the pagans. You don't want to be doing that. And so the the people in that time were taking their cues from pagan ministries, and they were bringing in, incorporating some pagan uh, acts and what they were doing. So they were do these same things that the pagans were doing. He was saying, "Hey, no, that's not what I want you to do. A real relationship is praying privately, and then I will reward you and, uh, openly." And he gives an example here because he does not. Jesus is not saying that you should not. Uh, I doing something? It's not in good. Is that better now? Maybe it'll stop making that noise. Okay, good. All right. So Jesus is not saying that all um, all prayer should not be no prayer should be done openly in front of people, uh, but specifically your private prayers should be your private prayers. And he looks at let's look at Luke. Uh, let's see Luke eighteen. Verse 9 through 14, and he gives us as this parable of the prayer, uh, the publican praying. It says, uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14. 
He said, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. And again, he used that term uh, confident in their own righteousness, their self-righteousness. Uh, two men went up to pray in the temple, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And we talked about what tax collectors meant in that day. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. So he's saying this out loud. I just think the tax collector felt kind of rough then, I guess. Uh, and this is supposed to be, this is a Pharisee. He's supposed to be the religious person at that time. And so this is what he's saying in front of the people. Uh, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my, a tenth of all I get. And so he's boasting about his righteousness, his self-righteousness. And he's putting it out there for everyone to know and hear and see. Uh, he says in verse 13, it says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's good. Those who exalt themselves will be humble and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is what he's saying even through all these verses is that, hey, don't exalt yourself. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Don't think of your goods that you're doing, your praying and your fasting and your giving to be the end all be all. And that's what you want to show off in front of people. He said, no, do that privately and I will reward you openly. And that is what we want to get to, that reward openly. Uh, Jesus is not condemning public prayer. He's saying that the personal prayers made in public are not followed. Uh, Luke 4, 16 says he he went to Nazareth. Let's talk about Jesus where he had brought where he was had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood and read at that time. And the scroll was open um, to the prophet Isaiah it was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found a place where it was written. And he goes on and reads what was saying there, but it was his custom to go into the synagogue and pray in front of people. Um, so he's not saying that public, all public prayer is, uh, is not allowed. What he's saying is your private prayers in public should not be allowed. And definitely this example he gives us of this Pharisee and the uh, tax collector, he's saying, hey, your prayer should not be about boasting yourself and putting down other people. <laughs> so not, your prayer should not be how great you are and how horrible someone else is. Uh, that is not showing God's love at all. The right way to pray, to pray in secret, go into your room, close your door, your father will reward you. Simple, direct petitions. Your father knows what you need before you ask. And so, so many times when you're a new Christian, you, you know, trying to figure out this walk. Um, and God, God is so, so clear. And Jesus makes it so clear here that I don't need you to have fancy words. I don't need you to have a fancy education. I don't need you to know it all and to do all these things, things that you may have seen others do. He said, pray simple. You don't have to have all the words. You know, it could be simple. I can be direct. And he says, and, and then your simple prayers, even I know what you have need of before you ask. 
Uh, and we don't lean on that to say, well, then I don't even have to ask. <laughs> There's no need to be praying. Uh, but he knows that. And so even in your simple request, Lord, help me. Meet my needs. He knows your needs, whatever that is. And it can be simple and it can be direct. And it doesn't have to be laced with beautiful words and, you know, like somebody else you may have heard or seen. He he knows you and knows what you're capable of. And he wants to hear from you. Uh, so that is the right way to pray. Fasting in secret. The wrong way to fast is to show others, to look somber, to disfigure your face. Uh, to look real horrible and to say, oh, I'm fasting today. I'm so weak. You know, this is what I do all the time. You know, and you're trying to pat yourself on the back. You're boasting in front of others. Uh, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's the wrong way to fast. And, and he says in this, wash your face, <laughs> put some oil on, look like you're not fasting. And in all of this, so looking at these things, cause we're, we're going to be closing soon, uh, is that the key to this and to several things, several things in this message is about motive. You know, I, I was thinking about this and I was saying, you know, first of all, in, in all of these, he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So the expectation is that you will give, you will pray, and you will fast. He doesn't say don't do these things. He says when you do these things, this is how you should do them. He's addressing the motive behind you doing these things. So you're not doing these things to be seen in front of men. You're not doing these things to be uh, reap accolades of fun amongst your peers. You're doing these things for him. And if you can't search your heart to do the things the right way, the right motive behind why you're doing it, then maybe you shouldn't do it. No, I'm not saying that. You should do it. <laughs> it is when you give when you pray, when you fast. And the expectation is this. So it made me think about, so I'm thinking about, you know, Lord, uh, this is difficult because our pride, our self-righteousness can be so tied and so closely tied to some of these acts that how do I know when my motive is right? You know, how, how, how can I search my heart to know that I'm doing this for the right reason and not just to my vain glory? Or to when someone asks, hey, did you pray? Oh, yeah, I pray today. I pray all the time. I pray, you know, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, not for your own vainglory, but you want the right motive behind why you're doing this. And so it reminded me, so made me think about, you know, when you're on a diet. Um, you have to eat, right? It's, it's, you're, you can't not not eat. <laughs> uh, you can do that, but then you won't live very long. Um, <laughs> But you have to eat. But you have to eat with the right purpose and the right things. You have to eat the right things if you're going to be on a diet that feeds you properly. And so it's not like, you know, oftentimes when I was in uh, case management and working in social work, um, you know, people would say, you know, if you had an addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol or you can quit those things. You know, you can say, hey, I need to stop doing drugs. I need, I need to cut that out of my life altogether. It's not in my life, but uh, <laughs> I need to stop doing this or I need to stop these other these bad habits. And I need to cut them off altogether. And, and there were ways and tools in which you can eliminate those things out of your life completely. Food is not one that you can eliminate out of your life completely. You have to eat. So even if food is your drug, you have to figure out how I can manage this better 
because to feed myself the right way and have the right motive behind that and continue to do this and do it the right way. So it made me think of this because he's saying when you pray, when you give, when you fast. So you want to do these things and he, he wants you to do these things, but he wants you to have the right motive behind it. So when you do these things, you're doing it for his glory and not your own. You're doing it with the right motivation and not your own. Motive, he's looking at the heart. God is always going to, even when we started this series, and I'm, I'm sure even continually, in the Sermon on the Mount, God is checking our hearts. He is looking at what are you doing, not all these things that you're doing. You know, it may look good to others that you're praying and fasting and you're giving, and we may say, oh, that's a good thing. He's doing a great job. But God knows the intent and motive of your heart. And we, and that is why he can say you can do those good things and still wind up in hell because the motive and intent of your heart was never right before him. It was never good. You was doing it to be seen, so you got your reward. You was doing it to get reap uh, accolades upon your peers, so you got your reward. What we do must be done be done from an inward principle that we may be approved of God and not be praised of men. In these verses, we are cautioned against hypocrisy in giving and praying and fasting. It is the subtle sin and that vain glory that creeps in that says, hey, you know, do this because you'll be seen as a good person. Do this because It'll reap you accolades amongst your peers, and you may move up in position within your fellow, uh, within your ministry. All persons, all all a person's ways may seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. God is not fooled by our selfishness. He is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can't fool God. <laughs> you might even try to fool yourself into thinking that I'm doing this for the right reason, reason, when you know deep down inside you're not doing it for the right reason. But you can't fool God. He is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It says, when you ask, do not, uh, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures because your hearts are so deceitful. And so constantly evaluate your motives and your hearts, willing to be honest with ourselves and choosing certain actions. You know, here's the, here's the truth of the thing. We have to be honest with ourselves. And the Holy Spirit will definitely bring about honesty if you're not honest with yourself. <laughs> the right motive is to please God. First Thessalonians 2, 4 says, on the contrary, we speak as as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. First Thessalonians two four. He tests our hearts, and we are here to please Him, not ourselves, and not men. So check your motives. I got these. Uh, there's some questions. I got these on dot uh, questions dot org. I didn't formulate these myself. I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but these were great questions that we can use to, to uh, test our motives. First question is, if no one ever knows that what I'm doing, whether it be giving or serving or sacrificing, will I still do it? If no one ever knows what I'm doing, would I still do it? Second question is, if there was no visible payoff for doing this, 
would I still do it? If there was no visible payoff for doing this, would I still do it? Third question, would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? Would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? I guess if God asked you to, you got to, right? <laughs> but will you joyfully is the thing? Would you be happy? Hey, here's this position, but then God asks you to, hey, I want you to sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms. And will you joyfully take that position if God asks you to? Or would you say, hey, I'm too good for that? Hmm? I don't know. Four, am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? I don't think either one of them are are great. (laughs) Am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? Five, if I had to suffer for continually continuing what God has called me to do, would I continue? That's five. If I had to suffer for continuing what God has called me to do, would I continue to do that? Six, if others misunderstand or criticize my actions, will I stop? If others misunderstood or misunderstand or criticize my actions, will I stop? So this gets to the heart of, am I doing this for others or am I doing this for God? Because if I'm like, hey, I'm doing this for God and not for others and misunderstand it, then it doesn't, it doesn't make me stop and say, hey, I'm doing this for God and not for to get pleasure from men or get praise from men. Uh, Number seven, if those whom I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? Mm. If those whom I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? And the final question that has to judge your heart or uh, uh, to check your motives, it says, do I judge my success or failures based upon my faithfulness to what God had asked me to do or how I compare with others? Do I judge my success or failure based upon my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? And a lot of times we compare ourselves to others. And whether it be others within this body or the ministries or the people, whatever, we, we look at what they may have going on to say, well, this doesn't look as good as them, or I'm not, I'm not successful because they have more numbers, or they're making more money, or they're doing things better, appears to be doing things better. But again, God knows the motives. He knows the intent of the heart. And what we may see as fruit, or may look like, hey, they're doing really well, God may say, that's just vainglory. They're reaping praises among men. And I want you to check your motives and do this for the right reason. We're going to close it the, the right reason or how we. So these are things, these are questions we can ask ourselves to check our motives. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit is there to check our motives. Walk in the spirit. So look at Galatians 5, 13 through 26. We're going to, I think we're going to end there. Uh, Galatians 5, 13 through 26 says, uh, and that, that, that passage of verses, it, mine is titled Life by the Spirit. I don't know if it's yours is titled that as well. 
It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in, in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's good. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. So I say, verse 16, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is good stuff because here's where the rub is. This is where the this is where the conflict is. You know that you know this rub between my flesh and my spirit and my desire to do what is right and checking my motives because my motive says, hey, I want to do this because of my own vainglory, or I'm doing this because God, I'm I'm wanting to please God and nothing else. And that is where that fine line. We we have to really check our motives constantly. Because we can slip, even sometimes when our motives are, are right in the beginning, you say, God called me to do this, and I'm, I'm going to do this, or whatever, whatever it is, whether it be preaching or teaching or children's ministry or sweeping the floors or whatever, coffee, praise and worship leader, whatever it is he calls you to do, and you're going in it with the right heart. But then sometimes even in you're entering in this with the right heart, it can change. And your motives can change why you continue to do that. And now you're looking to seek praise from men, even though you enter that thing with the right motive. Because God called you to do it. And that's the only reason you went into it, because God called you to. But now you've taken on your own self-righteousness and you're saying, oh, you know, I like the praise. I like when people like me. I like when people pat me on my back. And so now I've turned what God has called me to do to be my own vain glory, to be my own self-righteousness. And you have to check that. Whether you ask yourself these questions or where the Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit, check my heart every day. My motives don't seem right in this. I'm looking to get praise. I'm looking at other people and comparing myself. And my motives don't seem right. Lord, check my heart that I get back to what is right, to what is pure, to what you call me to do. And why I entered into this in the first place. And not because where I'm at now. <laughs> So I say, walk by the Spirit, so you're not gratified. All right, so there's the rub. The contrary to the flesh and the Spirit, and the flesh and the Spirit against the flesh. Verse 19 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Gosh, and you can probably add a couple more dozen things up there to the flesh. (laughs) It's obvious to the flesh. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such such things, there is no law. There is no law that says you've given too much love. No, I've never heard or seen anyone say, hey, 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 you're loving way too much. Stop that. There's a a limit on the love that you should give. There's no law that says there's too much goodness coming out of Cornerstone. Hey, we need to shut them down. There's too much goodness. There's too much grace. There's too much mercy. There's too much self-control. You will never hear anyone say, hey, stop. You've over your limit on love. 
You're over your limit on forbearance. You're over your limit on gentleness. You reached your, your maximum on faithfulness. <laughs> you won't hear, there is no law. There is none. <laughs> there is none. There is none, Stella. And you won't find it. This is what he's saying. There is no law against these things. Use, this is the fruit that I want you to have. Not these other things. But there's laws against those things. But here there is no law against this. And this is where you can go buck wild in love. <laughs> buck wild in showing gentleness and self-control and faithfulness and goodness and joy. Just, just go for it. Give all you can. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. This is a good word, y'all. It's good. Um, there is no law. And ultimately, in walking by the Spirit, there is a reward. Because <laughs> in those things he said, you know, what is unseen, he will reward. He, will, he said it several times at each thing. In, in the praying, and the fasting, and the giving, he said he will reward. And so maybe um, I'm going to, this is where I end with, I want you guys to uh, do some research for me. Because I did some research and I didn't find uh, specifically, I found some different things, but I'm not going to go into it. Um, but what is that reward? Because I have, I have my own idea, but I didn't want to, uh, you know, I wanted to be, wanted to be sound doctrine and in the word. <laughs> I didn't want to come up with my own thoughts and, and, cause I do have my own thoughts and feelings about it, but, cause I didn't see where it clearly states what that reward is. And that may be different for each one of us. I don't know where he clearly says. I looked at several different commentaries and they gave their ideas and opinions on what, of what, what the reward is. But look and see, what is that reward? Cause he doesn't go into detail about what the reward is. He just says, I'll reward you. Uh, and sometimes the reward may be just him acknowledging <laughs> to me that it is a reward enough that God acknowledged that, hey, you're doing what is right. That may be the reward itself. Or a greater fellowship and intimacy with him uh, in our prayer life and in our giving, that he is acknowledged in that and we commune with him. And there's greater uh, uh, benefit and relationship in that communion. And that relationship becomes deeper. That is, that is a reward. I think so. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but it doesn't really specifically say what that reward is. And that reward may be different for each one of us because um, God knows what we have need. Uh, and he may that that may look very specific to you what that reward is, and that may in, invigorate you to do even more in that because that was for me. I needed that, and God knows what I had need of even before I asked. So yeah, get back with me um, if you find something. If you figure out what the reward is, um, if you receive the reward, <laughs> let me know what that is. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's your homework in this season. Um, and, and again, this is a, a, the new year. So let's, let's take this. Let's, let's pray. Let's give. Um, and let's fast 
in this new season. I, I didn't plan this kind of fail on the first of the year, but I think it's very appropriate that uh, this is something that we can take into the new year and with the right motives, not to compete with my neighbor to say, hey, well, I fasted more days than you and I'm praying or, you know, that's not what, but with the right motives because uh, God wants us to do these things regardless. He said, when you do it. So it didn't say, you know, for special occasions, it said, when you do these things, just do it with the right motives. And so uh, I want to admonish you in 2022 to pray, to fast, and to give with the right motives uh, and have the Holy Spirit walk, be led by the Spirit. And let's see what that reward is for each one of us. And I think it's good. Whenever God rewards something, it has to be good, y'all. <laughs> it, it has to be greater than anything in this world. When, when the, our Heavenly Father rewards us, it has to be good. Um, so, let's stand. Who's closing us out, please? Well, what a message. Um, if I could have the prayer team come up before I say the blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in peace today. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.